Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to Nick Brody, who's the CEO of Galani Gold, their TSXV gold producer and explorer with assets in Botswana and South Africa. And if you'd like our thoughts on that conversation and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports, uh, market commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. And there are training videos on there. There are are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you some time. And of course, there is a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go there now, you can sign up for the club. That's cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Nick, how are you doing, sir? I'm fine yourself, Matt. Not too bad, not too bad. You look like you're holed up at home. You all right? Yes, I'm just gonna, two days away from my next lockdown. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> well, that's, you must be in London. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. Oh, such fun, such fun. Right, just, just, just in time for Halloween. You don't have to do that. Deal with those trick or treating people. So that's that's that's, that's one okay. upside. Um, hey, Nick. So last time we we caught up with um, Ravi, kind of goes a rundown of the, the the backstory, how you got to where you are today, and you're going to come and talk to us today about the actual assets. You're you're the guy on the ground, as it were, normally. Um, so, but why don't you just kick off? Give us a one minute overview of the business for people new to this, and then we can pick it up from there. Yeah, sure. Look, Galani is probably an unusual junior in that it's a producer, produces gold. That's two assets, one in Botswana, which it purchased back in 2011. Uh, and that really runs at around 30,000 ounces a year, up to 35, and all in of around 1,050. Back in 2015, we acquired a new asset in South Africa called Galaxy, and we've been working to ramp that up. Uh, we're on phase one at the moment, which takes it up to 26,000 ounces, which hopefully will be at the end of next year. And this year we issued a new PEA to support a phase two ramp up to around 45,000 ounces and an all-in cost of closer to $800 an ounce. So, you know, we're a producing company and we're looking to expand and find similar assets. We, we really believe our strength is unloved assets, so we say. So, you know, McParney, when we acquired it, only had one year's life left in it. Here we are, nine years later, still running. And we transitioned to underground Galaxy. It was in care and maintenance. But we've turned it around and we put it back into production and it's profitable now. Yeah. Fantastic. So you like you like problem children, do you? Well, I, I like things that give me value for money. Let's say it that way. Yeah. Uh, and those assets tend to be undervalued. And that gives us the biggest opportunity to add value for our shareholders. And typically not a lot of competition down that end in terms of uh, M&A, right? No, 100% not much competition. Yeah. No, look, I mean, if you could turn up with a big million ounce resource for me, open pit, I'll take it tomorrow. But, you know, there's a lot of competition and they're... Highly priced, yeah. This is this is true. Well, look, um, like I said, Ravi's going to run through the you know the business model and the history to all of this. So I'm more interested in understanding what you're doing on the ground. So why don't we kick off with Mopani? Because as you say, it's been it's been producing for you. You've also had B2 in there as a partner on the expiration, but they've recently said actually we don't wish to take up the uh, earning option. So what's happened there? And look, I mean, B2 are looking for a certain type of resource. They're looking for a um, uh, 2 million ounce, measured and indicated 1 million reserve. They're looking for a open pit, low grade, high volume kind of production to fit their model. Yeah. Uh, and they haven't been able to find something that's going to look like that on the tidy greenstone belt. You know, when we, uh, there's over 120 targets on that belt that we've identified from historic work. Yeah. Uh, and they've helped a lot. They've gone through, they've ranked them, they've decided which was the most interesting. 
they've identified for, which they've done a little bit of extra work on. Uh, and, you know, that's all great information for us. On top of that, you know, they still spent over $2 million into exploration, which is money that we didn't have at the time in the low gold price environment and was non-dilutive for our shareholders. So here we are now with potential that we can go and look at and maybe we can find a 200, 300,000 ounce resource, but that's a big difference to Mopani. That's a, another four or five years worth of production for us. And we haven't had to do that initial work or spend that money. And now that gold has come back to us, we have the opportunity to fund it ourselves. Or alternatively, you know, there are other parties that are talking to us about a potential joint venture again. Okay, so talk to me about that. If you don't mind, I wouldn't mind spending a bit of time here because we quite often have companies come on here and go, hey, we've teamed up with Newmont. Um, we've teamed up with Rio, we've teamed up with X, Y, and Z. But invariably, I think it's fair to say those options that those big companies taking are one of many, and two, they invariably don't necessarily find the profile that they're looking for. But it's not terminal for the company, but you're positioning it as a positive. They've spent two million bucks on your behalf, have they? Yeah, they spent two million, and it was non-diluted for my shareholders, you know, and they walked away, and I have all of the expiration information that they've created. I have... I have targets now for the top out of the 120 that I originally had that I couldn't decide which was my priority or not, and they've set me down the right path. And now it's for me to sit down at the end of this year, look through all the information they've handed over, and decide where we want to go. You know, we historically have only looked at near mine because that's the most economic for us in a low gold price environment. That's where we should be looking. But now that gold prices come back to us, we've got an opportunity to increase our range a little bit and look at other opera, other opportunities. Okay, so when you construct those deals with the big guys, there's you obviously you set it up. You prefer them to find what they're looking for and be a carry partner, or at least um, you know get their get their help in terms of being able to raise your portion of the, any capital requirements going forward, because that suggests that something there's something big there. But when it doesn't happen. Let's just look at that. So they spent two million bucks. Have they spent that two million bucks the way that you would have as a junior? Is the information is that information truly valuable to you? All of it. Okay. So look, I mean, this it swings around about here, uh, and you know, it's not all valuable information for us. I don't disagree. Some of the information they've done is you know just ranking those things and going through and looking through all the historic information we've had with our geologists, redoing all of the. Uh, all the information, redoing all the information into one of their AI machines, which is ranked for them, which is great for us. It gives us an output that we can go for. But they're looking, as I said, for an open pit, large resource. So that's where they're going to rank number one. Whereas us, our skill sets are underground. Yeah. So the, what they're looking for is slightly different from what we're looking at. But that doesn't mean if they found an asset, which is two, three hundred thousands open pit, that we're not going to go and look at that. And we're not going to take advantage of that if it's something that's going to be economic for us. So it does have an output that is interesting for us and something we can leverage on. And I mean, obviously, this announcement is only the beginning of the month, right? So um, last month, um, have you been able to look at some of the data, even even in a cursory way, to try and understand how much of it you're going to be able to use or what you're going to do with it? Look, the difficulty we have at the moment is budgeting season for us at the moment. So all my guys are doing the mine plans and everything for next year, and then the five-year life mine plans and hard for me to load on them again so this is you know what we'll do is we'll put, build a expiration budget into next year from the free cash flows that we have and this will be something we'll commence you know january february next year once we've got through that budgeting cycle right so what's the life of mine currently i mean how many answers have you got ahead of you so if we look at mapani uh the resource is around four hundred thousand ounces. okay uh, so but uh, if we put that into a mine plan 
the reality is we always talk about it being a three plus. Yeah. You know, just because an ounce in the ground doesn't mean you can take it out economically. So we've got mine plans that support three more years of production. But what we do is replace. And when we acquired Mapani, it only had 500,000 ounces in the resource. You know, here we are, nine years later, we've used 100,000, but we've been replacing. We try and treat it as a mature mine. That's the sort of method we're taking. We can't go out there and try and find another million ounces, and it's not going to benefit our shareholders if we do. And it definitely wouldn't in a low gold price environment. What they were more concerned about us was us producing ounces at an economic rate. Right. But Mipani is about, you're pedaling fast to stand still in a way because it, it is, the business is of a certain size. And I think people yeah. would be looking towards uh, the BT information and saying, well, is it going to un- release any more value? Is it going to release significant value going forward on that specific asset? And we're going to come to South Africa in a second, but you know, it, it, do you know what I mean? Is, is, is that again fair to say that it's a case of at this size, it's a business which just is, is, is peddling furiously under, you know, with the, with the legs underwater. I mean, look, if you go back four years ago with a low gold price environment, yeah, and an all-in cost of 1050 we're peddling furiously. I don't disagree with you. And it's our job and our responsibility just to stay in the game for when the bull market comes back and gold price goes up. And that's what we've done, yeah? It's not peddling furiously anymore. It's now generating cash for us, very positive cash, and our quarter results haven't been out yet, unfortunately. It'll be out in a couple of weeks, and you'll see a big difference to our numbers in our quarterly results because of that difference in the gold price, yeah? So I wouldn't say it's fair to say it's peddling hard. It has been. If we take the B2 information, now we have opportunities to expand our resource, and we have targets that we can go to, and we have the funds where we can spend our own money now on adding to that resource and our potential going forward. So... That's that's the way I look at it. Okay, and what's the what's the financial situation? Obviously, I think you know Ravi was telling us perhaps um, he didn't he paid a bit more than he wanted to, and about six months later, it would have been a, a much nicer picture for you. Um, have you guys paid that off? Are you? I mean, I'm not quite sure what's coming out in the quarterly, but what, what are you hoping to be able to present to the market in terms of telling the story? I mean, just, just, just to be clear, Ravi bought it before I started, so you can't blame me for that. Oh, he's one, not. Okay? He's so. not. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> Look, but he, when he when he acquired it, it made perfect sense, you know, and uh, uh, and the gold price was up at eighteen hundred, and the pricing was right. You know, with hindsight, we can all say we've made a great decision or a bad decision. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna accuse him of that one, unfortunately. But uh, the reality is, the company to get through those difficult times in low gold price environment has taken on debt to do that, and we made a conscious decision to do that rather than dilute our shareholders. I mean, if I look at normal juniors. You buy into a junior in an exploration company or something, you'll find yourself being diluted on a regular basis as they go out to the market. Yeah, and that can be very frustrating. That hasn't happened at Mapani, so uh, and it hasn't happened at Galani. And now that we're in a position where we're generating cash flows and we can repay debt, and we are repaying debt, uh, and I can't talk about the numbers we've repaid this year, but uh, this quarter our net assets have increased by a considerable amount because we've paid down quite a bit of debt. That we're in a much more positive position. And our shareholders are going to have a lot more advantage out of that because we haven't diluted them to get here. Okay, so but so the debt is being paid down. There's still a capital sum which needs to be paid down. When do you expect to be able to get rid of that? We'll be debt free by this time next year. Okay, on our current cash flows. Great stuff. Okay, so that so it's, it's business as usual uh, at Mapane. No difficulties in country. How's Botswana these days? Even in lockdown. 
Uh, look, uh, I mean, the, the first couple of months were difficult. Understanding the, the new normal for operating was uh, obviously uh, hard for us, but we got through it. You know, we're not mining at the rates we would like. You've got issue, issues with isolation underground. Now we used to have six guys charging a face. You can only have two guys. It slows everything down a little bit. But we've seen a little bit of tailing off on the, the ounces for this year, but we're still targeting around 30,000. And we started the year around 34. So, yes, it has affected us, the amount we're going to produce. Botswana as a country, you know, it's taken a very strict approach to it, closed off its borders, stopped uh, people traveling in and out, uh, which is probably the right idea for a country like that. You know, it doesn't have the facilities where it could take, you know, cope with a, a big outbreak. Uh, the regions are still isolated individually, but it hasn't affected us and have been very clear that mining is a priority. So we're still shipping all of our goods mm -hmm. in from South Africa. We still have a lot of support with regards to staff, etc. What sort of margins are you making? What was the ASIC looking like? Is that just so the ASIC is around one thousand and fifty, right? Okay. From Apani. Okay, and and that's going to be pretty consistent going forward, is it? It's pretty consistent. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going up a little bit. We're going to be honest about it because we're getting further depth of town. As obviously, as you go down, your mining contractor wants to be paid a little bit more for that haulage out from the bottom. But uh, you know. We try and offset that with efficiency savings, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Um, should we go down to South Africa, see what's happening there? So obviously we've heard lots of different stories about impact on, on businesses down there. How are things going for you, phase one? Yeah, look, I mean, South Africa, uh, obviously they haven't controlled it in quite the same way as Botswana. Uh, they did have the month lockdown and we were shut down for a month. Then we had a 50% restart and then we had a 70% restart. And that's difficult when you're in a, a building phase. Uh, to deal with that kind of, you can only open up 50%. Well, what are we doing? Are we are we going to concentrate on the commissioning of the new plant? Are we going to concentrate on the added to get to the galaxy or body? Or are we just going to concentrate on production using the existing plant? We made the decision just to concentrate on production and cover our cash because we didn't know how long we were going to be stuck in this process and put everything on free. So it's a bit annoying that, you know, the, our plans to get up to phase one have been delayed by three to four months because of this. Yeah. And um, we're probably looking now to be uh, finish the, the plant upgrade in December uh, and uh, to be in the Galaxy Your Body end of January, beginning of February. And they're the two big keys for us to unlocking phase one and ramping up to the 25,000 ounces. Okay. And so give, give me some of the numbers again. Remind us about some of the numbers that you're hoping to hit. So, look, uh, we've broken it down into phases, but the reality is we've already done the majority of work for all of the phases. But uh, for ease... We do, phase one is about uh, the first plan for the mining. So we've got two major ore bodies. One's called Princeton. Um, Princeton has got a resource of around uh, 3.6 million tonnes at uh, over three grams a tonne. It's an ore body that pinches and swells, but averages around five metres wide. And we're going to be using mechanised cut and film mining method. Yeah, And we're already in there mining. Uh, and we're going to ramp that up to around 10,000 tonnes a month. And we're already on that progress just to get that up to 10,000 tonnes. The second ore body is the galaxy ore body, and that's slightly different. It's a wider ore body and can be up to 40 metres wide, so even better for mechanised mining. Uh, that's got around 3 million tonnes at 2.6 grams a tonne there. Uh, and because of the width, we can mine more from there. So we're going to mine around 20,000, we're targeting 20,000 tonnes. But we're not in that galaxy ore body at the moment. What we're doing is we're doing an edit to reach it. So we're driving into the side of the mountain, and we're probably about three months away from getting there. So for us to really ramp up on a production, we need to get into the galaxy. So we're producing a maximum of about 1,000 ounces a month at the moment in concentrate. 
but we've got a plant there ready to go in December that we can use to ramp it up to 30,000 tonnes where we can get Galaxy online. And, of course, when you get into an all-body, it isn't straight away, oh, you can pull your 20,000 out, you've got to do the development, you've got to go down. It's a lot more complicated than that. So I can't say we'll be at 20,000 straight away. We need to ramp up during the year. So we're looking at the end of next year to be towards the end of phase one, which will be 20, 25 to 26,000 ounces, an all-in cost of less than $900 an ounce. Okay. okay. So then phase two. What's phase two? Phase two isn't a complicated step. We actually oversized the plant upgrade. So we actually bought a mill, which is 50,000 tonnes, rather than 30,000, because the cost differential was very little. Yeah, And adding little bits of float on, et cetera, isn't a difficult process. So we're in a position where we can ramp up to 50,000 for marginal cost. All we need to do is more development on the ore bodies. So open up more of the galaxy ore bodies, so as well as mining upwards, do some development down, take a little while, maybe a year and a half, and then start mining back upwards there again. So we have two phases, if you want, working a galaxy. So then we've got 20,000 plus 20,000 plus 10, takes us up to 50,000 tons a month. So the, in two to three years, We'll be up to around 45, 46,000 ounces a year at an all in cost of less than $800 an ounce. Right. Yeah? Okay. So, you, okay, there's, there's, there's a plan. So, um, just coming back to that debt component. So, you'll be paid off by the end of next year, and that is fully financing phase one and phase two um, down in South Africa? Everything's f- fully funded. We can do everything from the funding. If you look at the PEA that came out uh, in June, which was done by Minexcom, they've got the whole model in there taking us to phase two. Uh, and the revenues that we generate and the profits that we generate through phase one pay for phase two as we go along. Okay, yeah. all, all sounds great. And it sounds, it sounds like things are moving, moving along. Everything except the share price. So what's happening there? <laughs> Look, I mean, the share price is still five times higher than it was at the beginning of this year. So let's not ignore that. So it's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a big change. Uh, we did get up to around 40 cents at our high. Uh, I think, you know, the reality, a lot of juniors have come off with a gold price falling away, a little bit of uncertainty in the market. Uh, so we're not unusual in what's happened to us. Uh, I do think maybe the market doesn't give us enough uh, credit for being a producer. They just put us in that junior bucket. And junior is a lot of exploration companies. But the reality is there's very few juniors which are production companies like us. And we are exposed to gold price. Uh, I think one other thing we should take, you know, be conscious of is that we had a lot of warrants that were issued which were exercised towards the end of last month. And there has been a couple of sellers there. Uh, so I think our share price has probably been deflated because of that. But, you know, I'm going to tell you that's probably a good opportunity for you to buy in because we're going to see the share price going back up again. Good man, yeah. Nick. I'd be disappointed if you didn't say that. Um, so did you know who these sellers are? Did they come and talk to you beforehand? Were there a lot of them? Yeah, look, uh, look, we know the majority of our guys are insiders. So our insider shareholding has now increased to 60%. So we have a very firm base of people we know. There was a couple of guys who bought in who weren't part of that inside group. And so those guys are selling. But we, we believe that both of them are out now. Okay. And I'm, try, I'm trying to understand what, what, the, what the market's perception of you is. I think, yeah, you probably are in the bucket of, of, of junior despite being a, a producer. But the trouble is you're not producing enough to be interesting yet, right? So are you going to go out and find some more of these unloved children, as it were, to try and add to the portfolio to kind of give you the size and scale to get noticed? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's exactly what I've tried to do. I've built a team, and we could talk through my team, but I've built a team of guys that have the ability to turn assets around. So 
when we started at Mapani, I bought a chaplain called Wayne Hatton Jones, Chief Operating Officer. You know, as always, if you bring one guy and you bring some other guys in with them, there's always a, they have their own team of preference. I brought in a CFO that worked with me at Glencore, someone I trusted. My background is finance, so that was important for me. And we basically turned Mapani around and we transitioned it from open pit to underground. Yeah. And that was the thing that needed to do to unlock that asset. Uh, also, it was going underground. I'm Gold would have told you it's going to get it's going to get refractory, so you're going to lose recovery. Whereas we're getting 95% recovery, you're only going to get 70% recovery. Okay, fine, that's all right. But as you go underground, your grade increases. You know, you're not diluting so much. You can deal with that. Also, there's things you can do around the plant. You can put a fill blast system in, for example, which is an oxygen injection which scrubs the sulfur off, and that gives you an extra 2% recovery. There's uh, oxygen plants that you could put in. There's turning the float on. There's things you can do to increase your recovery, and we've got those skill sets. So we basically turned Mapani around. When we started there, there was 16 expats. We now literally have no expats there. Yeah, We've transitioned the skills across, and we've taken that strong management team, and we moved it across to Galaxy, and they're now doing the same at Galaxy. And the issue with Galaxy was it was a small plant, Again, refractory ore, if you take that Prince Norbody, its recovery through CIL was only 55%. So everyone said, you're never going to make anything economic there. He said, well, no, if you've got to look at it a different way, and the way we look at it is produce a concentrate. And we're actually producing a concentrate, and we're getting a 75% payable on the golden concentrate. So we've increased the recovery by 20%, and we've taken out the most expensive part of the production, the cyanide, cyanide circuit. Yeah. So we increase, decrease the cost and increase the recovery. And we look at these assets and we think about it and we come up with a plan and we implement it. And this is what we're doing at Galaxy at the moment. When it gets to Galaxy in a year's time, we'll be in a position where we've transitioned the majority of the skills across to the staff around us and we didn't need another asset in the pipeline. And that's what we're actively looking at the moment. You know, and there's a lot of greenstone opportunities out there. You know, you could go to Australia, you go to Canada, yeah, North America, South America, uh, Europe. There's opportunities for us. Yeah, we just got to find the right one, which is accretive for our shareholders. That's the reality of it. But there, there, therein lies the problem, right? Because you, you've, you've explained that you have technically solved the problems at Mipane. You're doing the same down in South Africa with Galaxy, etc. But the, it's just polishing, right? You need a kind of big move here. And the big move... Potentially, if you get it wrong, is is expensive. So you want to be selective, which you've been very, very clear about. Then it comes down to timing. So how long is that going to take? Will it ever happen? You know, how do you make that big move to be more profitable, to be more noticeable, to you know, you know, get to a size where people pay attention in the markets as well? Let's look where we sit at the moment. We do have an organic growth plan to take us up to ninety thousand ounces. Yeah. We're much more reasonable in size, yeah? Also, if we look at Galaxy, it has the potential to expand again, yeah? We're only mining two of the ore bodies there. There's another 20 ore bodies that we could go to, yeah? We've, so there's a lot of potential there. So if we just look at ourselves as we sit now, there's a potential as a 100, 100 plus thousand ounce producer as we sit, which takes us towards that mid-tier. 100% agree with you. It would be nice to be 150,000 plus. It would be nice to make that big step, do an acquisition, and bolted on straight away, yeah? But as a management team, we also have to be conscious that if we don't fail at Galaxy, yeah, that's going to bring us down. If we fail at the next asset, that's going to bring us down. So we're going to find the right asset for when our management team can move on, yeah? So, yeah, 
It's a difficult balancing act. Don't disagree with you. We definitely have the skills. We've done it one time before and we know how to manage it and we're looking for that same asset again. And we, you know, we do internally debate. We are looking at assets which are operating. Yeah. And then in COVID times, that's difficult. How do I implant my management team in COVID times into an asset that's already operating somewhere else? And we're, we're resistant to that kind of change. What we're really looking for, I think, is an asset which is brownfield, yeah, which needs a little bit of work on it that we can spend some time and put into production. And there are assets out there, and there's quite a few 50 to 60,000 ounces that do need that and do need turning around. But as always, you know, when gold price is low, guys are holding on to these assets because they're waiting for gold price to go high, yeah, and they're looking for a better valuation and it's not costing them much to keep them in care and maintenance. As soon as gold price goes high, well, gold price is going to go even higher. So I want double the valuation that I wanted two weeks ago, yeah? So you're in a position where you just, you know, we've got to find the right partner and the right asset, and then we'll make that transaction. But ignoring all of that, we have the ability with the assets that we have to get to a mid-tier size, yeah? Okay, so, so that's fantastic. So the question still is, is still there for me, though. It's like, so you're working really hard to st- get the basics right. You've, you've got some assets today which are producing. They've got to keep producing because, you know, mining's not easy. They, You talk about them having the potential to go from where they are today to a 90,000-ounce producer. Again, I'd, I'd be interested to see what you've got to say about, well, how much money is that going to cost you? And then how and over what time are you going to spend that money, um, given what you have seen with the gold price currently? Assuming all things stay as they are, how long would it take for you to be able to get to 90,000 organically? That's part of our phase one, phase two galaxy. So Mapan is already operating at 30,000. So you've just got to be doing the ramping up of galaxy, yeah? And as we've already talked through galaxy, the end of next year will be finished at phase one. So we'll be up to 60,000 ounce producer. And the end of the year after that, and a little bit more maybe, we'll be end of phase two and we'll be a 90,000 ounce producer. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking within two and a half, three years, we could be a 90,000 ounce producer. Yeah. Can we accelerate that? Yeah, we could maybe spend some more money on mining equipment, but unfortunately, you know, a development end is a development end. You can't, you know, you can't accelerate a development end other than the how many times you can blast in one day. That's it, you know? Okay. But you're focused on making money and not spending money unnecessarily. Yeah, look, I, what I focus on, uh, and annoys Ravi when I say this, is I focus on cost. That's my job, yeah? Make sure we're producing the gold at the cheapest possible cost to give us a maximum return on the gold price, yeah? So that's what I'm focusing on. And by increasing these phases, we reduce our costs. So I'm excited about that. That's what I want to achieve. I want to get into an all-in cost of less than $800 because that gives us a lot more headroom when we're in the future because we know gold goes in cycles. We know all metals do, yeah? Gold price is going to come down again. But instead of operating at $1,050 like I was in the last cycle, I'll be operating down at $800 and I'll have a lot more headroom to work in and I'll be a lot more cash positive. Beautiful. Nick, thanks for running through that story. Nice to see there's a plan. Uh, and nice to see you delivering it. So um, we'll stay in touch with us. Let us know how you get on with all of this. All right, great. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.